Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. My name is Chandra. I'm your host, and I am wanting to say welcome. Good on you for being here and listening today. And I'm particularly excited about today's episode because today is another interview episode. Today, we are going to go down an interesting rabbit hole. I have no idea where this is going to go, but it's going to be a fun ride, I'm sure of that, because we are speaking with the lovely Hayley Hendricks. Hello, Hayley. How are you and where are you? Hi, um, and thanks for having me. Uh, I am in sunny Brisbane. Oh, lovely. Well, it's starting to get a bit chilly down here in Sydney, so I'm a bit jealous of your sun. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we, you might not be allowed to get in here because we, we kind of want to keep the sunshine to ourselves, it seems. We have noticed you're locking those doors for sure. Hayley, thank you so much for agreeing to be part of the interview series. As I mentioned, your story is going to be an interesting one just based on the bullet points that I know. So I think it's going to be a really interesting one for us to get into. Uh, what about if we get started? Can you just explain what is it that you used to do for work and how do you describe what it is that you do for work now? Okay, let's crack open the can of sperms, hey? Um, <laughs> well, literally my background uh, is in TV production, TV producing um, and uh, a lot of from a, you know a young age I mean I lived in Perth and I moved to Sydney when I was 21 and pursued that career and then at 30 I moved to Los Angeles and continued on that path and wow. then um you know working on, on a lot of reality shows is where I kind of ended up and do-it-yourself uh, style home renovation shows and then I was in a relationship with an entrepreneur because then uh, that's when the whole startup scene really uh took over Los Angeles. And um, I sort of fell into that whole world. Um, and then in hitting 39, uh, it just wasn't doing anything for me anymore. The buzz was kind of going and I wanted to have a baby and my partner wasn't ready. And so I ended up back in Australia on my butt and had to figure it out. So, uh, <laughs> which was pretty difficult because I'd spent nearly 10 years living in LA and mm. uh, having then to come back and reassess everything, not just my career, but it was my partner, my, my age, uh, because at that point, um, age was not an issue because I lived in Los Angeles and there was no time, <laughs> you yeah. know, like you just lose it. Yes. Time. It's like one big casino, no clocks. Pretty much, except, you know, and Botox fixes that anyway. So, <laughs> you know, and I wasn't there to be an actress, so it, it didn't really bother me so much. But um, we were just like a big bunch of teenagers living there. And then yeah. I realised, hang on a second, need to wake up a bit and figure this out. I was 39, so 40 was literally upon me and I was freaking out. It was a really tough fall from grace, so to speak. It's so interesting hearing you as someone that the picture that I've got in my mind of you is that you've got this great kind of high-flying, fun, creative career that's going really well. And so in many respects, you know, you're living the dream. 
However, you said that, you know, the, the lifestyle and the work was just the buzz wasn't there for you anymore. And for you, part of the call was the call of wanting to be a mother and realizing that the track that you were on was not going to head you that direction. But I think it's really common for, for women who are high achiever types that have loved their work and their career has been a big part of their life to get to a point where the same old, same old just isn't cutting it anymore. What do you think that's about? Why do you think that is? How can it be that something that's so great suddenly isn't anymore? Well, I think it's a reflection on so many different things. I think it's probably a level of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's your friendships, your circle, where you live, your achievements, what you class as success. I don't know. I think for me, the work that I was doing just wasn't giving back to me. Um, It wasn't fulfilling. It didn't inspire me. It, It became a bit of a rigmarole. It became quite mundane. And I felt like it it hit a ceiling and I definitely wanted to push through the ceiling. I think you kind of know what you do and don't want anymore, what's fulfilling and what matters and what you value. And they definitely change. You know, in my early 30s, there was no way I was ready to be a parent. Yeah. By my late 30s, that's all I could think about. But I had never really considered it prior to that women choosing careers over children. I don't necessarily believe that's real. I think we just, we think, I don't know how to put it. I just think we go to work, we do what we want to do and what we love, and we think we're going to find love along that way. And then we're going to create love through children and we just keep on going. And that was definitely what I thought. I didn't think I had to choose one over another. Mm -hmm. And then you got to a point where, as you said, you landed back in, in Australia and to have to, I guess, reassess and restart the next phase of your life so what is it that you do now to to sort of give us a bit of a snapshot work-wise you're not in LA being a TV producer anymore what do you do for work now okay bear with me with this because I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey because everything that I went through has gotten me to the point where I am now and it's everything about the business that I do today it all starts when I landed on my butt I moved back to my mom's house and I hadn't lived in Western Australia in like nearly 20 years. And that was a big fat slap in the face just right there. <laughs> LA to you Perth, know. yep. And I can say that because I'm from Perth too. So what were you going to laugh at this? At this point, my mom had actually moved to the south. So I went to Albany. So I didn't even go just to Perth. I went like five hours south. So I was not in a good state, let me tell you. And I truly came undone and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what interested me anymore I didn't know what life looked like because my bubble had just literally exploded and I had egg all over my face Mm. so you know and the way that I I describe it is living this big fat life but it was a big fat lie and Mm -hmm. I think this is the most beautiful part of this undoneness that I went through it was so ugly and it was so raw and it was the most vulnerable that I'd been in a really long time, probably 10 years prior to that was when I had another meltdown before moving to LA. But I just didn't know what to do. And I think that was the hardest part, sitting in a state of grey fog, not knowing how to move forward. And the only thing I could do is I got to my mum's place and I literally within two days went up to the local pub and I got a job. Uh And that's when things started to start falling into place or 
me starting to see it in a different way because everyone around me literally was half my age, you know. <laughs> and then I went, oh, crap, hang on a second. I really am old now. <laughs> this, this is not pretty, you know. I can't. Yeah, sure, I walked in and got a job and that was great. But what everyone around me was young and then I realised, oh, hang on, my skill set, what, what am I passionate about? How can I make that work? What have I accumulated over these years that I could potentially do something that, interests me so I uh, had to sort of reassess but at this point I couldn't I just needed to just keep working I just needed to work and have some things be really simple um, and just get my feet on the ground and then uh, find a path from there and so from there I actually moved to Sydney um, Mm -hmm. not long after and uh, I, I then got a job in a retail shop with a girlfriend of mine again just to keep working I had to be busy And I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. And here's the thing. My mission was to become a mother, Um, which like at this point, none of it made sense. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a partner. I didn't have a home. You don't have any security in your life. You've got no, you know, you've got no path. Uh, and no partner. And there's, a, there's a few logistical things here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the most, you don't have a partner. Like how is that going to happen for you? And to me, it was like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And everyone's like, you have to get back out and start dating. And I'm raw and I'm vulnerable and I'm upside (laughs) down. I'm like, no one wants to date me. I don't even have a, you know, like I was like, I'm working in a retail store trying to figure out where to go next. Hayley, it's so interesting, like hearing you and, you know, your genuine passion and enthusiasm for this. What I'm fascinated about is that for many people that are in that kind of similar situation of a real professional crossroad they go through a similar process of what you've described around that realization of what I'm doing now just isn't really working for me and I don't really know what else there is and then that sort of crash of realizing this false dream that you've built around yourself and you just said a minute ago that you know you realized that your purpose was to become a mother and for some people it's they realize I really want to you know, create this product or I want to have this kind of a business or whatever. But for you, your passion and direction was around being a mother. Where did that come from? Because you said that it wasn't something that, you know, you thought about all your life. How did you get to that clarity of kind of given that you weren't in a perfect relationship where things just felt like that was the right next move? This sort of seems like a, a different kind of calling. So how do you explain where that came from? So I think I trusted in myself enough that I had enough experience that if I ever wanted to go back into TV, that was okay. Like I knew that I could always fall on it. I always knew I could make money. I could always, I mean, I was working in a retail shop. I knew that that was never going to be a real problem except for my ego potentially. Yes. Um, but no, here's the deal. It was a deeper calling. It was within and I can't explain my why. All I can say is I felt it. Mm. Because as a child, I always saw myself being and having a family. Just that to me was the natural picture of my life. Mm -hmm. And so the issue that I had was I felt that it had to fit a certain vision that I'd created and it had to work in that order. And that's where it went wrong. Right. And you were trying to construct that and that plan didn't work. So then you went on a different plan yeah and I had to be okay with that because the other thing is you've got other people around you and they're the people that are propping you up and they're the people that you turn to but they're on different missions they've got their own paths they've got their own lives and they've got their own issues so they couldn't understand mine 
to a degree and, mm. you know, they don't see me the way that I saw myself or they didn't feel what I was feeling and they yeah. couldn't, how could they? Yeah. And so I wasn't necessarily in a position to explain it to them because I still wasn't in the right state of mind. But I mean, that they could see it in me that I, I needed and wanted something more. But I don't know if I explained it to them. I, don't, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't really have that kind of energy. I just knew that I was going to figure it out no matter what. And I had to get over myself in how I thought life should look and how it looked. And when I started working with how it looked at that point in time, that's when I could piece it together in a new way, in my own way, however dysfunctional or untraditional that that was. Yeah. So can I just do a quick little recap to make sure we're all on the same page? You've gone to LA in TV production, working reality shows, DIY shows, everything's going great relationship doesn't go the pathway that you assumed it was going to in resulting in commitment, including uh, having kids. So you're back in Australia and pivoting your professional life, but the, the focus became less about what am I going to do next for work as a career or am I going to pick up the career here and more about I want to figure out how I can become a mother. Yeah. I had to put motherhood on the plan. Right. It, it wasn't on the blueprint. Mm-hmm. It had to go in there at some point, no matter however, nothing else made sense. I knew that I could go back to school. I could study something. I knew, I mean, being back in Australia is so much more supportive. So I knew that there would always be a path. But if I didn't make this my number one goal right here and now, I wasn't going to be a mother, a biological mum, potentially. Yeah. Um, and that was important to me. For a period of time, I did give myself a time span and I knew that if I passed that, then I accepted that and that I would be a parent in a different way, potentially down the track if I was lucky enough to have met someone or uh, find a way to, to bring children into my life if I felt that was still important and I was in the position to support that. Mm. So it's a really interesting one because it's a, uh, it's a purpose-driven project yeah. uh, and Interestingly, as you've said, with a, a really defined time frame, which I think is kind of interesting. And if we look at the context of this interview series around women making significant career change after the age of 40, one of the downsides I see for, through all of the interviews that I've done so far and the clients that I've worked with is that women can get to that stage of life and decide it's too late for me now to make a change. I'm already down this path. And if I haven't already done this other thing, then it's too late, too hard or whatever the story is, that's one bucket that people can fall into. The other one is that they have this idea. They have a a, a baby dream, not an actual dream of a baby, but you know what I mean, like a, a dream of something they want to do. But because there isn't a timeline, time just keeps drifting and they never get started. So I actually think with you, with, with you kind of going, well, I still want to work and love what I do for work, but I've got this other project, which is about being a mother, that if I don't prioritize this, it's potentially going to go away forever in, in, yeah. a, in a context. So I feel like you taking that approach was actually really good because it gave you a sense of urgency that if you really wanted this to be part of your life, you were going to have to make it happen. Yeah, and I had to go to extreme measures to make it happen. Like it wasn't like I was just putting it out like fairy dust and sprinkling it out and it was like I've been doing that. Going to bars every weekend trying to hook up with someone. Yeah, 
Exactly right. And I had already done that, you know, like I'd been, I mean, I was in LA, I was in the perfect place to be surrounded by Peter Pans. And I was done with that. I was like, my approach is not working. I have to come up with a new one, working with what I've got and the tools that I have. And with my tools, I need to seek out other ones to uh, figure out this mission. And to jump ahead here, yes, I, I jumped on dating I tried to get back with the ex. and Oh, yeah, you've got to try, test that one. Yeah. <laughs> then I circled all my male friends. <laughs> and, then, and then I sniffed out the next outer circle of friends. And then I realised I was wasting time. And the only way to get there was to cut out the middleman. And, look, I did something pretty crazy. I did meet a donor, a known donor, because I did go to a clinic as well. And uh-huh. at the clinic, uh, I had three unsuccessful tries at an IUI, and I knew that I then had to do IVF. And that's kind of the done thing, especially when you hit 40 as a woman. It's seemingly uh, we kind of have uh, – we accept that that's the path. And I still wasn't down with that. I felt that I was healthy enough, and so I wanted to look at alternatives. And so I found a, a donor through Facebook. A what? What? Yeah, I found a sperm donor using Facebook. So, I'm sure that that's what Mark Zuckerberg had in mind when he created <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, totally right. Look, it was in, it was insane at the time. It was a, a few years ago now and it was only sort of just getting a bit of momentum. But in my research, I did a lot of research and oddly enough, through that research, I took enough notes and um, had gone through enough that I ended up writing a book about it. This is what's so crazy about it. I was on the mission to have the baby and through that, I found my purpose business. So isn't it funny? I, I kind of was like, I'm, I'm happy just to prioritize one thing and let see where things lay and know that probably five years were going to be a little bit tricky. And I was happy just to do an everyday job and to get by to manage. But through that, I found something that I'm deeply passionate about. And, uh, and that put me onto this next path. And who would have thought having a child was going to be what led me to, to find my new my new uh, career, I guess. Yes. And what it, what it is similar to, though, is that when, as women, we can get to a stage of actually making it important enough to do that self-reflection of who am I, what's important to me, what do I want, and to go after those things, that's when we can actually realise what's most important instead of just continuing on the treadmill of whatever we started 10 years ago because that's just where we were going at that time. But being willing to, to put that self-reflection in is where you can open up these different passions and interests that then if you follow the thread, it leads to the next thing and the next thing. You don't always know in advance where things are going to take you but when you look back with hindsight you can see how you've got spat out where you are now which is exactly what I think of with you that you know you now have a book about your experience and uh, as well as you know fulfilling the number one project that you really wanted to do which was to become a mama bear and so you've, you've done that and so now you're in a whole new kind of chapter when you we're talking to people about I'm going to pursue, or as you said, an, an everyday job to bring some money in and I've got my priority project is, you know, becoming a, a mother. How did other people respond to that? Um, so they fell in two different camps. My single friends definitely thought I was crazy and the idea was ludicrous. <laughs> and didn't think that I was in a position to have a child and how dare I think that I could have a child when I didn't have all my ducks in a row. 
the other camp were the the mama bears. Um, they all wanted it for me and they didn't think I was insane. So they came out strong for me and I guess it's because they definitely saw I needed something more in my life of value and it wasn't coming from a job. Like a job wasn't giving me any satisfaction. It wasn't fulfilling. So it did seem a bit crazy, but I think I had to be a little bit crazy and things didn't have to make sense. And sometimes life is like that. It's a bit messy. It's murky. It doesn't make sense. But I think if there's a deeper calling, you need to honor that calling. And I most certainly did that. Mm. Uh, I feel so much more of a fuller, rounded human having gone through this experience. And so how has that led to, to what you're doing now? Work, work-wise, you've got the, the book. Um, yeah. And what else are you doing that you feel like is a result of you following your passion for becoming a mother, a single mother? Well, never, ever, ever could I have imagined that my pursuit of having a baby was going to lead me to my purpose in life. Um, and that is what's so incredible about where I think I am today. And I'm so grateful. My conception journey definitely took me all over the place. And with that, I felt that that was something I could truly share with others. So once I completed my book, I set up a business to help other women and support them on their solo conception journeys with or without it using a fertility clinic. And it's just something I'm so passionate about. And also just sharing with others how to navigate the known donor space as well as anonymous donors at clinics. There's a lot of stuff that people just don't know about and they won't get that information until potentially way down the track and they don't really know the repercussions of using donor sperm and I just want to fully um, share information with people who are looking to go down that path of what may lay ahead for them and they can then choose to use that information uh, any which way they like but I feel like it's my role to share that information and be the messenger. And so it's really it sounds to me like part of it is that your commitment is to help educate and guide people who are on a a similar path wanting to become a parent and they're not finding the traditional uh, pathway working for them that you've got these the book as a resource and uh, an online services is that right that you do as well yes my book is my memoir but it's also a how-to guide so it's loaded with lots of information for people who are looking to potentially go down this path or are perhaps already on this path and are looking at other options because fertility clinics aren't working for them or it doesn't feel right for them, or they have someone that they know that they already want to use but they're just not really sure and what the implications are involved with that. So I definitely go into all of that in the book. But I also have a blog, uh, which is at my site, Kabuti, K-B-U-T-I, and Kabuti is actually short for a kibbutz, Um, And it's really just deeply rooted in social responsibility and community exchange. And I just felt that that was right for this. It was a right fit for calling my business that. We definitely are in a shift of uh, how life looks and how relationships look. So I feel that my business is incredibly important right now for the work that um, I'm doing and the work that I'm putting out there. Yeah. You know, and I'm also connected to a lot of donors as well. So, um, I kind of am an intermediary in terms of uh, helping people connect with the right people. But 
again, I don't have anything to do with that. That's kind of a community service. <laughs> right. Because I kind of was having a thought in my head, oh, okay, so you're almost like a bit of a, like a dating agency well, but yes. kind of thing, but it's like, is that a really a done thing? Yeah, like a sperm broker. Yeah, I do laugh at that a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I won't ever choose anybody for anyone because I think that that's all a personal thing, but all I can do is educate and put you in the right place and whatever you choose to do with that information uh, is totally up to the recipient and the donor. I just think first and foremost, you're creating or looking to create a child and you have to have that in mind um, that anything you do is all about them, you know, and I think that's the other reason why I wanted to write the book because I was, my book's called Desperately Seeking Semen and, (laughs) you know, I was in a completely, I don't want to say unstable, I was just in chaos because I was so sad and I was so on against the clock and stressed that making the decision to choose the person that you partner with to, to create a child is incredibly important. In fact, it's everything. Mm. And it's not something that should be rushed or, or thought of really lightly. It's not, a, it's not a whimsical, oh, yeah, I'll use you or whatever. We're creating children and that's always got to be at the, the forefront of those thoughts. And yeah. Decisions. Yeah. And so you, you kind of just skipped over the fact that you wrote a book whilst you were also solo parenting uh, from zero to one-year-old. How did you find that process of of writing? What sort of uh, challenges did you come across with that? Well, to be honest with you, because I kind of, again, I just felt like I, I was learning so much and I knew so much and I could see what was happening online and I just wanted to get this information out to help people. That's all it was to begin with. And I couldn't write the book fast enough. I wrote 40,000 words in literally two weeks. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, it, I, I literally was obsessed. I was still pregnant at that point, so I was towards the end of my pregnancy and I was just writing nonstop. I then got a, an amazing editor in who, who lives in Canada and she just happened to be a film producer, oddly enough, and we got on so well. And she was a 45-year-old woman without children, three divorces, so she got it. She got the book and yeah. the whole thing. So she was a great person to have on board. and. She literally ripped my book apart. At this point, so I went from 40,000 words and by the end of that sort of, you know, another four or five months later, I'd had 110,000 words. And she looked at the book. She went through it. She told me to to pull out parts of it. And here's the deal. I had literally written a how-to guide and I put snippets of my story in and she came back to me and she said, no, 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 you need to to put your story, your story is what's interesting because people can relate to where you're at and I'm like I don't think people are interested in that anyway I then had to start again with 25,000 words <laughs> and I was so upset about it I was so mad and um it was like the hardest work I'd ever done so then I pressed through and then at this point yeah I've had the baby and I'm, I'm now so now I'm reconstructing what she had ripped apart and so then I kept writing and rewriting and this start the story kind of wrote itself some of the things that I didn't think were interesting are actually the things that people are interested in because it affects them too. They're pain points for people. It's just like, you know, just trying to go to natural therapies or talking to different doctors, mm-hmm. just frustrated with certain things. And, you know, that were my everyday. And she's like, well, they're the things you need to be writing about. So I was really grateful for that experience. And 
so I was able to get a book out. And then once I had finished writing, then I had to, I, I decided to self-publish. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it in me to, to push to publishers and go through that whole thing. And I knew that could take years. And I, I felt, again, I had a message and I had to get it out urgently to women, to uh, whoever was on a similar path or knew someone um, that might be in a, in a similar position. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just this urgency. Um, again, with a time frame, which I think is actually really great because, as I said earlier, so often people can have an idea but they wait and they want something to be perfect or they want to suddenly feel like they've got more time. And without that sense of urgency, often these great ideas, these great projects never see the light of day. So I actually love the fact that you seem to just navigate towards things and give them like have a massive sense of urgency and time frame to make them happen. Yeah. And you know, how many people do we have, like, especially DIY is probably the perfect example. How many times do we start something and then it, it never gets, never gets finished? Right? <laughs> totally. And so, and or else we get bored with it or whatever, but the sense of accomplishment and when you have done something, but I felt that there was something I needed to do in the world. And I feel like that's, especially, um, you know, when, when we do get to a, a turning point in our lives where we feel like there's something else we have to offer in the world, uh, that we have to get it out quickly. It doesn't need to be perfect. Mm. And that's the difference. We got to get it out. And once you get it out, then you can refine as much as you like afterwards, but just get it out, get it out and start making a difference today. And that's, that was definitely how I thought. And I felt if it was just one person, if it was one person that picked up that book or read an article online or listened to a podcast or an interview that I'd done, then I was, I was getting the message out that there was a different way and it works. Mm. You know, it worked for me, but there was a, but I also knew there was a process to it in terms of my own path. There's a process to writing a book. There's a process to being a parent, to creating a business and getting that off the ground. And, and I knew that. And I think now having a child, I definitely work, you know, I I function differently now. Planning has to come into my world these days. And I've never been a planner uh, like I am today. Or as I, or as time will just keep drifting by again. Mm. I did that, you know. Yes, you did that and it didn't spit you out where you thought you wanted to be. So you're trying something different. Yeah. So now, you know, you're an author, you've got the book and you're building the uh, online business and support groups and, and things like that. When you think about the process of, uh, of this way of working and I guess now having the motherhood part of it as well, what are some of the other challenges that you think that you have had to get through or, or work around with this way of working rather than what you used to be doing? I'm playing, you know, the long-term game here. Mine's been a very slow rollout because, A, I have a baby. Yes. Um, and also it's just me at this point in time, so I'm doing everything. But I have been able to tap different people and their skill sets because I obviously can't do it all. Yes. So there's not really been a lot of difference for me, except it is incredibly tough working at home with a two-year-old. I was um, in the bunker basically for six weeks full-time with my little boy at home because we didn't really know what was going to happen and how uh, COVID was going to unfold at that point. And I couldn't do anything. I literally couldn't do anything. And I was in complete exhaustion and overwhelm and very isolated and had absolutely no support because support just wasn't available at that point in time. So that was an incredibly difficult and challenging time for me. But at the same time, it's now made me really enjoy working back at home. I really like being at home. So um, I kind of 
have one day a week off now and I work four days a week and then I have my weekends with my little guy. Yeah. And again, it's another example of everything serving you in some way. And I think a lot of women have a fear that if they go down, let's say they start working for themselves, they start their own business and it gets to a point where they're not earning enough money quick enough or they realize that what they the idea they thought they wanted to do isn't what they really want to do and they, they go and, and have that consideration of I'm just going to go and get a, a, a job. I think a lot of people get to that point and then there's a whole judgment around what does that mean, have I failed, that self-belief piece, all of that comes up again. But I feel like there's a couple of things that interweave here that it's it's not wrong to potentially want to balance out doing your own thing and, you know, having some other kind of, whether it's source of income or source of connection through a job or, you know, part-time or whatever it might be or some freelancing work and to not see that as a failure and also that sometimes that, you know, gives you the insight that you need of like, actually, I can't can't just do the job thing. Uh, And I remember for me, when I was at that point of trying to really decide if I wanted to commit to doing my own thing years ago or get a job. And I remember talking with someone, having a coffee catch up with someone that worked at one of the TV networks. And, you know, my background had been in in media, mainly in radio. And I remember talking with him and he was kind of sussing the vibe. There was a job that was potentially coming up and so he was describing what this job would do. And I remember sitting there drinking my coffee and imagining myself doing that job. And I kept asking him questions like, oh, what else? And would they be involved in this sort of thing and that? And I realized that this job was going to be you know, a great job for someone. But for me, it wasn't going to be big enough, in, not in terms of responsibility, but just variety. And that that's another thing that for me, I realized that I love variety. And so working for myself allows me to be involved in lots of different parts of the business and meeting lots of different types of people. And I don't think I would get that same fulfillment through having this sort of fairly narrowly defined job. And I think that this is part of that self-reflection process of really getting to know yourself again, what's important to you to get you back on your path. I've learned um, if I'm unsure about doing a job or some form of employment and if it's going to be good for me or bad for me, I just shut my eyes and I literally just armchair transport myself to that position, working around those people, those sort of hours, and I get a really great sense of how it makes me feel. Mm. And if it makes me feel ill or dead inside, then I know that's not the right role for me. Mm. Mm. Or if I feel it gives me anxiety, then it's not something that I need to do. Mm. Or if potentially, if I can imagine myself there being seven days a week, is that too much? Is being there one day a week okay or just a few hours a day? How will that make me feel? And what does life look like if this position is in my life? Is it worth it or is it not worth it for my health? Um, And not even just my mental health, but my financial health too. So I tend to refer to just an everyday sort of job where it doesn't require too much responsibility as a surface type role, uh, opposed to one that um, is a little bit more career style, uh, which is more of it requires more of a deep dive, uh, 
a lot more energy, responsibility, uh, working to achieve KPIs and show up in a much bigger way. They're a lot more taxing. So I tend to find if I choose a role like that, I have to give up my personal stuff. Um, Whereas with a job which is just surface level, that doesn't really tap into any of my personal stuff. So those kinds of surface level stuff don't require too much from me so I can actually do that very well and manage my business at the same time. Yeah, but there is there is residual that always happens with one of those sort of mid-tier roles and they're the ones that I don't want to go to. Mm. And, and I realise that. They're like my kryptonite and then like marriage. Um. <laughs> but I would always choose um, my business and the things that I want to pursue first, no matter how hard it is, because if it takes me back to the positions I've done or going back into TV production, I don't want to work like that anymore. I want to work far more effectively and I want to work to do things that actually will make a difference in this world. And so for me, I just definitely get in my little armchair and see how I feel. And it, no matter how many times I take myself there, I'll always swing myself back and go, I'd much rather choose the harder path. Thank you. It might be more difficult. I might have less money. Um, some weeks I might be very busy. Some days I won't know how to do anything or my, or my website's broken. But they're challenges that are interesting to me. And I would much rather do that for me than work for somebody else's business to make it something. And that's just where I'm at these days and every single time that I feel that I want to give up I really just transport myself away into into somewhere else and feel what it feels like to be there and every time I'll always bring myself back right here. Elizabeth Gilbert really puts it well in her book Big Magic she says you know she was so wanting to be a writer uh, and she was prepared to eat the shit sandwich and there was another writer that wanted to give up and she wanted to eat his shit sandwich too because she wanted it that much uh, and so how many shit sandwiches do you want to eat ladies <laughs> you know and I'd much rather eat my own shit sandwich the one that I've made myself and uh, load it up and uh, eat it mm. I'd much rather do the hard slog on something that feeds my soul mm then jump into something that doesn't and I have to give myself to so many other people and things that I don't care about and I can't do that anymore those transactions don't make me feel good as a human being anymore and I just can't I can't live this full-blown out human experience by giving up that big chunk of who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing here yeah it's just not gonna yeah not gonna happen Hayley, I love that little activity that you just described about kind of putting, dropping into how something feels because I feel like that's a a really great way to check in because sometimes what can happen is when the pressure is on, you can be feeling like, oh, this will just make all this discomfort go away when you're trying to do your own thing and there's so many things that are unknown. There's so many challenges to work through, uh, whether it's tech or getting clients and marketing and selling, all of that that sometimes you just want to get away from that feeling and you think, oh, I'll just get this job and that, yes. But actually to go forward in your mind's eye, whether it's three months, six months, a year, three years, uh, to really see where that's going, I think that's really great to get some different perspective to help you with your decision-making. 
Yeah, like honestly, it's the, the, the armchair transportation. <laughs> it just it gives you the right perspective that you need to um, make that decision. And um, there's nothing quite like the feels, you know, to, to really help you just really in your bones know if it's right for you or not and get out of your head yeah I don't like the idea of going to work work is a horrible word I think we I think we go to life is what I think Mm -hmm. and I'd much rather go to life every day yeah one of the things that you brought up uh in that conversation about you know a transactional job versus a career job is the issue of money and it, it is a factor and it's something that people don't often want to talk about, but I think it's really important, especially for women thinking about making a change into to doing something of their own and starting their own business. For you, it sounds like you have a pretty good attitude around, uh, you know, if I need to earn money, I'll go and get a job at a pub or I'll, you know, work in a retail store and I'm... and. I'm not going to be saying, oh, I'm not going to do any kind of job. I only want to, you know, be a TV producer. What were some of the impacts when you look back of how money played out in your decision-making through this process of the, uh, the baby conception pathway and creating the book and now into your own business? Are there any sort of insights that you can see now about how money impacted you positively or negatively so many women that come to me won't have a child or they are in um in flux about it because they don't have enough money mm. you do you're damned if you if you're damned if you don't I might just jump in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't know how it's got to roll mm-hmm. and there's got to be a certain amount of risk taken and you know that's what life's all about mm. Mm. But in terms of making money through my own business and finally making that big step, Mm. at first it was hard to accept money in return for my services. Mm. But if I don't accept money in exchange for what I do, I can't extend the hand to help anyone else or share any knowledge. Mm. Because most of the cash I make, even in just any job that I do, I tip it straight into my business. Mm. And if I don't have the engine going and I'm not refueling it, then I can't do anything for anyone. Mm, mm. And I, I think it is, you know, you, you touched on it earlier about that, you know, as women there seems to be a, a bit of a different layer in how we interact with money and how we think and feel about money. Uh, and for me, I'm a big one of, of being a bit savvy about your money situation and ideally, you know, looking at what can you do to set things up so that you're not going to put yourself under massive financial pressure without a plan. And also realizing the impact of mindset and resilience, as you said about, you know, if you can back yourself that I, I know that I can, you know, find a way to, to make money, to earn money then, you know, no matter what comes your way, you're going to be okay. But I think there's this whole piece around relationship with money that women don't necessarily explore that much and it can hold them back from pursuing things that actually, you know, would be really good for them and for the world if they were to explore them. So I think it's it's an important factor to consider, um, especially if the people are thinking about you know, creating their own business yeah and I think we have to just keep it real I'm sure the pathway might not be clear but that's okay and that's not necessarily a bad thing and there are no. people out there that can definitely support and guide you to get to where you 
may need to be or where you think you're going. Like, yeah. You don't really know. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, isn't it, about just, you know, the, the resilience and being willing to experiment and reflect on what do I care about and what's, what's uh, drawing me that I'm curious about or interested in trying to figure out a way of is the, could this be the next path for me and take those baby steps and, and off you go. Hayley, it's been so great chatting with you. If someone's listening and they want to uh, connect with you, they want to buy the book, find out more about uh, what you do and your services, where can they connect with you? So they can find the book at desperatelyseekingseamen.com. <laughs> you probably just Google it. It'll probably just come up. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm set up Kabuti Group. Now, Kabuti is K-B-U-T-I. And I'll make sure that we put the um, links to those um, sites in the show notes for this episode oh, as well so people can um, easily find you that way. Hayley, as we finish up, any other final thoughts or tips that you think would be good to close out with when you sort of think about someone being in a work situation realizing that it's not taking them where they want to and they want something different for the next phase any other tips that you would suggest for them don't buy into the the bs that you're too old and i just think go for it because you know at 17 i want i had i'd quit ballroom dancing and at 17 i thought i was too old to go back at 17 mm-hmm. i actually made that conscious decision i was too old and then of course after that i never went back and now i'm you know mid 40s and and i just i have such a different perspective on that i'm just like give it a go you've got the time give it a go yeah I love the fact that um you thought you were too old at 17 and and now in your 40s you're t- totally young you're Benjamin Button yeah Benjamin Button you know who does that really well is um oh gosh Jane Fonda she's got this and I write about it in my book it's like she talks about the the third um there's three life acts usually it's the first one up until 40 the second one from 40 to eight, um to sort of you know middle age across out of 60 and you're kind of done after that and she's like oh, <laughs> No, there's a new life. There's a new life after that, the third act. And I think um, when while we're in our second acts, we have to know that there's a third act still around the corner. So we've got a bit of a, a timeline to get through. So um, it's a perfect time to jump into something new or to finally put your your project that you've been hiding away, um, getting it out and putting it back on the table. Yes, we're only in the second act. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. And when you know you've got a whole third one left, you're like, oh, yeah. I've got plenty of time. (laughs) Hayley, it's been so great talking with you. Thank you so much for making yourself available and sharing some insights. And there's so much more uh, I'm sure that you'll share in your uh, book about your your journey. But thank you so much. And I really am excited for you to see where the next chapter takes you. And uh, we'll keep our eye out to see what's next for you. Thank you so much. So that's it for another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. But if you are at a point where you have an idea and you feel like the next phase of your work life is going to be you working for yourself, then one of the first things that you really, really need to get sorted is the money side of things. And I'm not just talking about figuring out how much money it's going to cost you to get a logo or and a website done. I'm talking about you and how you handle the money side of your work and life. And to get you started on that, one of the things that you need to know is that there are actually five money zones. And these are five aspects of your life 
that influence how you think, feel and act around and with money, how much you earn, what you do with the money that you earn, how it helps you or holds you back. There's a whole relationship that you have with money. So if you're going to create a successful, thriving business that gives you the sort of freedom and lifestyle that you want to enjoy, then you really need to know what the five money zones are and which one of the five zones you need to work on first based on your unique situation in order to have the biggest positive impact on how much money you earn and keep. And you can discover all about the money zones right now in an easy five-minute money breakthrough quiz that I've created that you can get your hands on right now at thetransitlounge.com forward slash money quiz. I'll put a link in the show notes for you as well, but it's thetransitlounge.com forward slash money quiz. And I really do encourage you to go and check it out because if you can get your money side of things sorted, then trust me, everything else becomes so much easier for you to start and grow your own business. When you don't have the money side sorted, it tends to be the fastest handbrake to your creativity and your business growth. So go do that now. You've got nothing to lose. Go do the quiz, figure out your money zones and go have a great week. See you next week.